Hey, this is Greg. And Zach. Welcome back to the Harvest Gate podcast. This is the second in a series of episodes for you to meet the team. We'll be interviewing and chatting with members of our team to learn more about them, their background, their relationship with both Harvest Gate and Jesus, and much more. This week, founding pastor Zach Morgan. Thanks for doing this, Zach. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. usual. Yeah, as usual. Um, and I think I'm just excited to have kind of a more informal, let's say, conversation uh, to just kind of chat about you and uh, your background and your history and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, in doing this podcast, sometimes I I fear that people think that we're just serious all the time, but we actually have a lot of fun. Yeah, we've been sitting here, you know, prior to recording this, being not very serious at all for about an hour, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, and so hopefully this is uh, just a little more laid back that we can get to know one another. Yeah, and share that with uh, anyone who's kind of interested in Harvestgate, and they can get to know the the people working behind the curtain. And we're also really excited to expand this format to people that you haven't heard from yet on the podcast that are part of our team to understand what their roles are as well. Absolutely, because. Uh, Harvestgate is far more than just Zach Morgan and Greg Jersick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a there's an army of people uh, who have been supporting some uh, in different capacities, but we we just want you to be able to meet the team in that. So uh, yeah, I guess we should just jump in, Greg. Absolutely. Let's start with coffee, uh, as we did last time with me, and you know just. In general, what's your relationship with coffee? How is that a part of your, let's say, daily routine? Yeah, so before I get into that, it has I have not always had a love of coffee. Right. Uh, in 2006, um, I was a college student living with my parents, and life was not going super well for me. Um my dad had just uh, was in the process of remodeling a bank to turn into a coffee house. Okay. Um, and so he got me an interview, and I ended up getting a job at River Road. And I've, I've mentioned River Road before. Right. Uh, and it was here at River Road uh, that I fell in love with coffee. But not only coffee, but the culture that coffee creates. And... Uh, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, Greg, where you and I have met uh, at River Road. That's kind yeah. of our place that we, we go and uh, hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in doing so, uh, you run into a lot of people that you know. I run into a lot of people that I know. And a lot of that has been birthed through coffee. So uh, I worked there for about a year and a half. Then I joined the military. Um, I was in the military for six years. When I got out of the military, I came back. Um and worked at River Road again. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where my love of coffee started, was working for a really, really great company that um, treated their employees well and uh, had great product and things like that. Uh, but more on a, on a daily occurrence, uh, coffee is my lifeblood. Uh, when, I, when I want to meet with people, I say, hey, you want to go get coffee? Yeah. Um, I usually wake up in the morning, I have a half a cup to a whole cup of coffee, just depending on what's going on. Um, now, I, I, this is, I think, a worthwhile question. How do you measure a cup? Because my coffee cup is here, uh, and you've seen it many times when we've been having these conversations. You know, what determines a, a cup? Like, I don't measure it as a cup. That's, according, that's a fair question. According to my coffee pot, this is four cups, yeah. which 
It's one for me. <laughs> yeah. I would say like a, a standard mug. Right. A standard mug of coffee. Nice. Uh, that's So I have one to two a half of standard mug coffee <laughs> a day. And then, uh, you know, like I said, if I, if I go out um, and meet with somebody, I usually get coffee there. Sometimes I'll get it on the way to work right. at River Road. Um, and any time that Liz and I travel, we look for coffee places. We want to find new and unique places. Um, or when I, when I say new, I, I mean new to us. Right. Uh, this past um, April, I was in Israel and the group had to wait for me a couple times because I would just wander into a coffee house and <laughs> uh, or a coffee shop and go get coffee. Um, again, I think it's a it's a great place to kind of learn the uh, the heart of a community and just to see what they're about and uh, just a great place for community. Absolutely. Well, and that's, I think, one of the things that we're excited about with Harvestgate in general is having the coffee house to make that connection uh, to meet people, that it's a place where people are comfortable meeting people and talking to people and sharing that time together. Yeah, and I think that there's an intimate connection. Um, you know, we are a church, um, but Martin Luther King Jr. said this uh, when he was living, and I believe that it's still true today. He said that the hours uh, between 10 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings are the most segregated hours of the week. Hmm. Um, so one of the reasons why we uh, want to open up a coffee house is um, I would not say that churches are intentionally segregated, um, but generally uh, a lot of churches are mono-ethnic. Mm-hmm. Um, so... White people go to white people churches, black people go to black people churches, Hispanic people go to Spanish-speaking churches, and mm-hmm. and what we just see is this um, this unintentional division that happens. Right. Where, as I go to coffee houses, there's people of all walks of life. There's uh, black people, white people, uh, you know, of, of every race, culture, and creed. Yeah, there age. Are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's old people, there's young people, there's rich people and poor people, there's uh, Christian people and Muslim people and agnostic people and atheist people. I mean, it's just a place where there's a great amount of diversity. And so we want to we want to engage in that because I believe that that's what the kingdom of God looks like, that it's a, a place of great diversity. Absolutely. Um, so kind of moving from coffee to... Uh, just kind of your background in general. You mentioned River Road a couple times. I know River Road's got a presence here in Newark. They have a location in Granville. Did you grow up around this area? I grew up in West Philadelphia, born and raised. On a playground is where I spent most of my days. <laughs> is that song lyrics? It might be from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay, yeah. Um, no, but I did grow up uh, here in Central Ohio. I grew up in Granville, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I had a great childhood and loved my uh, – I'm one of those weird people who I enjoyed high school. I um, I think the things things to like about it, obviously there are a lot of, a lot of baggage that comes along with it. Yeah, I was a terrible it, but... student, but I loved high school. I was really into <laughs> sports. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I played football and baseball and ran track. I was in musicals and things like that. 
Um, so I'm very familiar with uh, Central Ohio. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I joined the Air Force and I was stationed in uh, Melbourne, Florida, or at Patrick Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. I was there for six years. During that time, I deployed once to Iraq from 2008 to 2009. And in 2011 and 2012, I deployed to Afghanistan. And um, when I came back, I spent a good majority of my time in the military working at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, which is also there in Florida. And and then when uh, my time in the military was up and I came back to take a job at the church that I'm uh, currently working in, which is Community Church. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a interesting situation. Uh, we are not hired on full-time. We are hired on part-time. So we moved back into my parents' basement like a good millennial does. Yeah, for sure. So my wife and I and our one child at the time moved into my parents' basement for about six months. Um, that was, we, it, it was a beautiful freedom. We're, we're really glad that we were able to do that. Um, however, it was not ideal. So we started, you know, we were looking for a house Right. two weeks after finding, or after we got, uh, here to Ohio again, we found out that we were pregnant with our second child. And Liz said, we are not having a second kid living in your parents' basement. <laughs> right. So we went. Uh, and at that time, we found a, a place. We had some friends who had a, a rental that they rented out to us for like six months here in Newark. Uh, and then after about six months, we bought a house here in Newark. And uh, we've we've loved Newark in central Ohio. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that's a little bit of how we grew up and where we grew up. Um, so, uh, in, in that kind of, uh, uh, description of how you got to community church, uh, I want to kind of fill in a few blanks there. So you were, uh, you know, graduated high school, uh, 2005, six, six. Okay. Uh, and then went into the air force for several years. Where does, uh, you know, where does church fit into that both kind of from your childhood and, and your involvement with church throughout that period of time. How do you kind of weave that in? Yeah, so I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the church that I am now pastoring in, a community church. Um, so I spent most of my life there. I, I would not be surprised if I have spent more time in that building than anyone else. Because <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think that... It's been something like 27 years that I've been there. So first few years of my life, uh, my parents were going to a different church. Uh, but the only the only thing that I remember is going to community church, really. So it's pretty uh, cool that you got to kind of go from attending to to working there. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been an interesting journey because, you know, I'm little Zach uh, from uh, – <laughs> and so people saw me in my worst and <laughs> – Hopefully now they're seeing me at my best. Um, but so my my experience growing up, I was really involved in youth group. Um, but I just, I had a really poor understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. And I don't think that, um, 
I don't think that anybody had malicious intent, uh, but I, I grew up with the understanding that being a Christian meant that you just don't sin. You don't do the bad things and you do the good things. And when you do those things, then you're a Christian. That's it. There yeah. you go. Do good stuff. No um, bad stuff. And I, um, I kind of sucked at that because I, I was a stupid teenager and so I, I, I tell people that I used to get saved every year at youth camp. Right. Um, you know, I would, I would make a confession of faith and I'd like, you know, I'm not going to do anything bad anymore. And I'd go home and I'd have about two weeks where I felt like I did pretty good. And then it would, it would die off. So then this pattern continued. And I remember praying, God, please don't let me die until next year's youth camp. Because I only felt like there was like a maybe a three-week window where I was good enough to actually make it into heaven. Yeah. Uh, so there came a point in my life where I just realized this is not attainable. So I, I, I kind of thought, well, if I can't live perfectly, I might as well live how I want to. And so I, I wandered away from God. I got into uh, – uh, I started partying. Mm-hmm. I uh, – I, I say that I was a social alcoholic, um, and uh, with that came a lot of other just really negative kinds of things, sure. you know, womanizing and mm. um, you know just living uh, really poorly. Um, I dabbled in some recreational drugs and things like that, um, and. By that time, it's, it was my freshman year of college, and I was a terrible student. Um, there's some other stories in the midst of this, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to marry Liz, and I knew that I couldn't do that working part-time at a coffee house Right. and as a college student, so I joined the military. And when I joined the military, it taught me a lot of really good things, uh, like how to be a functional human being and uh, taught me responsibility and maturity. Yeah. Um, um, but it didn't teach me a whole lot in the way of morality. No, that's not really their brand. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the binge drinking continued and, um, so fast forward, Liz and I end up getting married. She's finishing up her final year of college. Uh, I deploy to Iraq. We come back. Um, this is 2008 or 2009. Mm-hmm. And um, so we still would say, yeah, we're Christians. But our life didn't really reflect that. Um, I would say that we were probably cultural Christians. Mm-hmm. And so we just, it was like, well, we should probably find a church because that's what Christians do, right? Sure. So, uh, we, I remember I went to one church and it was kind of a horrible experience. Um, and then we got a flyer in the mail, uh, from a church and it was a church that was just around the corner from us. And the, the flyer was kind of controversial. It actually, uh, it actually made national and international news. This flyer did, mm. um, cause they were doing a series called how to have great sex. Um, and so Liz and I were like, well, let's try it out. <laughs> uh, so, so we went and uh, we we went to this church. I don't remember. I don't remember the preaching. I don't remember. 
the music. Right. I just remember it. It was a place where we felt like we could belong there, like we were accepted just as we are. And that led to us getting really involved. Um, we just started going back. It was it was like a new addiction. Mm-hmm. Like we, we couldn't get enough just because we felt like we belonged. Right. And even though I had grown up in the church, this felt different. And I, I remember there came a point where, I mean, we're really involved at this point. We're showing up at seven. It was a, it was a church that met in an, in an elementary school. So we had to set up every Sunday. So we were getting there at like seven in the morning, helping to unload the trailers, setting up chairs, wow. uh, setting up the kids area, doing all these kinds of things. Um, and the worship pastor invited me to start playing on the worship team because he had known that I had done those things in the past. Liz becomes the children's director and we're still, uh, you know, completely unqualified to do any of those things based (laughs) off of, you know, some of the, I would say maybe moral things that are going on in our lives. But again, we felt like we belonged. Yeah. And and I felt I felt a hope that I had not felt probably my entire life. And so that hope, I mean, I started just digging into the Bible. I'd read the Bible every night. You know, I was reading through Proverbs like once a month, which is a book of the Bible. I was reading um, you know, through the New Testament, you know, just book after book after book. And I just fell in love with Jesus. And there's still some two pretty major sins that were prevalent in my life, and that was binge drinking and Mm -hmm. uh, pornography. Mm. And so I did the thing that you're not supposed to do, um, and I told God, I said, God, you let me throw one more party, and I'll stop. (laughs) Just one more. Just one more. And then I promise I'm fine. Yeah, so I threw one more party for uh, with all my Air Force buddies, and uh, that was... 2009 going into 2010, mm-hmm. um, uh, New Year's, yeah. New Year's Eve. Uh, so we did that, and I haven't thrown a party like that. I mean, we've thrown parties, just not you know with binge drinking and. Sure. Uh, um, that was the last time I threw a party. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but I still had this other secret sin of uh, pornography, and I had just grown weary of being trapped in this sin. Mm. And again, I'm still operating under this paradigm that being a Christian means that you don't do the the bad things and you do the good things. So at this point, I'm still operating with this assumption. Uh, I'm not really a Christian because right. I still have this major sin that's in my life that is not eradicated. And so I remember there was one day I was just, I was mad at myself. How, how can I still be tied to this thing? And so, like, you know, I thought that maybe I had just missed the Bible verse that teaches you not to sin. (laughs) It's got to be in there somewhere. I was like, you know, that's probably what it is. There's probably some Bible verse that, you know, is tucked away somewhere. Maybe somebody told me about it at one point. I just don't remember. Got to go check the index. There's going to be that one. It's just going to be like, how not to sin? I missed a section. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did what every good millennial does. I went to Google and I (laughs) typed in Bible verses to teach you not to sin. And it led me to Romans chapter 6. And I read that passage, and I thought, well, that was stupid. It didn't help at all. (laughs) And I read it again and again. And I think it's around verse 19. It says something along these lines. 
As you once used to use your bodies for evil, so now use it for righteousness. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, it's not about not sinning. It's about living to glorify me in all that you do. And as you do so, sinning will fall by the wayside. And it was like I was given so much freedom. That that moment was, it's, it's not about, uh, Christianity is not about, is not solely about moral living. Right. But it's about living to bring glory, honor, and praise to God. And when we do that, we become like morally good people. Well, I think it's interesting that you you were so like for so long trying to find an answer to the wrong question, right? You were you were looking for something to satisfy like a specific feeling you had about it. And I think a lot of people do that in a lot of different ways when you're looking at something and trying to get the answer that you want from it. Uh, and I guess I'm not speaking specifically to the Bible because uh, I'm not very learned in it. But uh, in lots of other contexts, I think people try to find uh, the answer they want rather than the answer that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's certainly prevalent in politics where you know you're not you're not really listening or understanding but waiting for the opportunity to justify how you feel about it Um, and it's cool that you kind of bridged that gap eventually and got to you know a a better understanding of what it was actually telling you rather than what you wanted it to tell you yeah and i kind of liken it to this i know liz really well so i i tell people i know the things that make her tick and i know the things that tick her off (laughs) Right. Now, um, there's a point in my marriage where it's like, I'm just going to try to live in a way that I just don't make her mad. Right. And, you know, that's I mean, that's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Right. Um, But there wasn't a lot that I was doing to show her that I really loved her. Like my Mm. my love for her was predicated on uh, let's just not make her angry. You don't want to see me when I'm angry, that's right? A good, that's a good place to start, <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, But then, like, at, at some point in the relationship, it switched. I don't only want to not do the things that make her mad. I also want her to know that I know the things that she loves and I want to do those things because I love her. And so, um, you know, so I give her back rubs and I do the dishes and I help change poopy diapers. And, um, it's, so again, it, 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 my love, my expression of love's shifted. And that's what happened in that moment for me with God is my, my love shifted from, please don't tick him off. I don't right. want to be smited. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Bruce, Bruce Almighty, smite me, almighty smiter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I was living in this place of fear. Great movie, by the way. Great movie. Um, but it, God gave me the freedom. No, love, like, bring me glory. And, and what will happen is then you won't do those things that, that tick me off. So uh, in in a lot of that story, and obviously we've talked about it plenty of times, but um, I want to uh, get back to Liz. So we're obviously going to talk to her at some point and get to know uh, how she's involved with the with Harvestgate and everything. Uh, but let's go just specifically. You know, we've got kind of the pieces of where you guys were. Uh, you know, when you were in the Air Force and had to move in with your parents for a little bit. Go back to like how long have you known Liz? When did you guys meet? When did you kind of Realize you, you know, wanted to be with her. How did that all unfold? Yeah, when when we first tell the the first part of the story, everybody goes, "Oh, that's so sweet." 
so we met on a whale watching trip in Boston. That's a long ways from Granville. Yep. Uh, I was going into the fifth grade. She was going into the sixth grade. Oh, older, uh, no, older no, women. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, no, strike that. I was going into the sixth grade. She was going into the seventh grade. So this was uh. 2000. No, this was 1999 that we met. Uh, so we've known each other going on 21 years now. Uh, our relationship can now drink. Is <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't like it used to. <laughs> but it doesn't like it used to, yeah. Um, so we met, uh, we became friends. And I say this as, as loosely as you can. We, finger quote, dated in middle school. Right. Uh, we attempted a couple of times in high school. Went to the, went to the dance, you know, yeah. and like, Stood around uncomfortably, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. Um, but the reality is, is I was just a jerk. I kept Liz on the hook for a really long time. I friend-zoned her. Mm. And in high school, I would date her when it was convenient for me, and I didn't date her when it was inconvenient for me. Right. Or, or yeah, I, I made it a relationship of convenience. Um, and so I, I tell her and I tell people frequently, I said, you know, you were kind of an idiot. I don't know why. I don't know why you stuck around for me because I treated you like garbage. And we would, I mean, we were youth pastors for a while. And um, there, there were teenagers who had terrible relationships. And they're like, well, it worked out for you guys. I said, yeah, but we wouldn't recommend it. It ended <laughs> up working out, but it was like, it was not good. Right. Um, so we dated got engaged while I would say that we were not living really a Christian life. Um, first couple of our years, or first couple of years of marriage, they weren't bad, um, but it, w- it was not really centered around Christ or anything like that. You know, and you just heard the story about how we uh, fell in love with the church that helped us fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and so from time to time, I will ask her, why did you ever, like, give me a, a 400th chance? <laughs> right, yeah. And what she said has been so impactful for me. And I think that, I mean, it just speaks to her heart and her love uh, and her faithfulness and loyalty. Uh, but she said, it's because I saw the man that you could be, not the man that you were being. Um. Man, and so that's the if if there's nothing else that you know about Liz, that that is who she is, and one of the many many reasons why I love her because she is so uh, faithful and loyal and true and compassionate and uh, yeah, I just and I love her to death. Well, we'll look forward to hearing her side of the story, and uh, and and I'm sure it's you know uh, equally enlightening and interesting to to kind of delve into you know her uh, her feelings about the whole journey and yeah it's interesting when I was hired on at the church that I'm at mm-hmm. uh, the pastor said yeah we hired you but we really wanted Liz <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she really is uh, just she's phenomenal she is she is a large you know apart from apart from Jesus, she is the number one influence as to why I am the man that I am today. Nice. Shout out to Liz. Shout out to Thanks Liz. Thanks for what you're doing. Um, so I, I want to uh, kind of jump topics a little bit to 
just kind of general background stuff. So you went to school in Granville, Granville High School? Granville High School. Granville High School. And Home of the Blue Aces. Hey, all right. I don't know a lot about Granville High School. I might have played them in tennis. It's kind of hoity-toity. Yeah. I remember the only team that I beat in tennis my freshman or sophomore year, not that this is about me in this episode, but whatever. That's Here we okay. are. Uh, was Newark. I lost to everybody else. <laughs> So, shout out to Newark for being the worst tennis team in Central Ohio <laughs> in 2002 or something. Um, but going back to that time, uh, and and not necessarily just high school, but uh, college, and you know, uh, what's your you know educational background? You said you were going to school while you were at River Road. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I was a terrible student growing up. Me too. Um, my my sisters all incredibly brilliant and successful. So I. Uh, one of my sisters is is a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Two of my sisters are nurses, and they all graduated with honors like magna cum laude, summa cum laude, whatever it is. Can we real quick shout out to all the bad students out there? Woo-hoo. There is hope for you. There, there we've, is hope. We've both made it. You know, we can support our families. Yeah. And it's possible. So don't stop. Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, so my, my sisters graduated with honors. You know, like I said, magna cum laude, summa right. cum laude. I'm not sure which ones it was. Uh, we joke I don't my, even know what those mean. That's yeah. that's where I was at it's, as a It's student. with honors, with highest honors, and, you know, like something yeah, like that. A bunch of show-offs. Um, <laughs> but we joke in my family that I graduated, thank the laude. Um, so, uh, um, right. Um, so I went to college uh, at, a communi- at, at Ohio State University. There's a branch here in Newark. Right, so you were at the other half of the the branch that or the the campus that I went to because yep. it's Central Ohio Technical College slash OSU Newark, and they share this. Space. Yeah, so yeah. we were probably on campus at the same time, never knew each other. Maybe what so, so serendipitous. Huh. Um, and uh, yeah, again, I just spent my time binge drinking and chasing girls. Is really what happened. I joined the military. Things got better. Fell in love with Jesus, um, and uh, through that. Uh, Someone challenged me. Uh, they said, do you feel called to ministry? And I said, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to do like what you do. He was he was the youth pastor, but it was a very part-time gig, and he also had his real-time job. Hmm. And I was like, it'd be kind of cool to do like what you do, where you have your job, and then like you also do ministry stuff. And he said, so it has nothing to do with money. I said, no, not at all. And he said, okay, so if we were to say to you, Zach, um, uh, we want to pay you $50,000 a year to be the worship pastor, you would say no to that. And I was like, well, I... <laughs> when you put it that <laughs> when way. You put it that way. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, that's where uh, I guess it was like my call to ministry was called out of me. Hmm. Uh, and so I began uh, school uh, online uh, at Liberty University, and I fell in love with school and with education and academia. And I remember I would get my books in the mail and I would call home to my parents and I'd say, oh, I just got all of these books. And they'd say, who are you <laughs> and what have you done with our son? Right. Um, and I just fell in love with, um, I was not a good reader. Um, I, I'm slow. Yeah, same. Um, but, but I loved like I've developed this love of reading and, and I tell people, I know that God is real because, um, if you would have seen me as a high schooler and an early college student, you would have thought that I was illiterate. Um, <laughs> What's up, bro? So it was, yeah. Hey man. Um, 
now I, I have a, I have a huge love of reading. Um, so during that time, the, my undergrad was really, uh, formative for me. I learned, uh, some systematic theology. I learned about kind of the tenets of faith and, uh, grew a f- firm foundation. Now what, uh, what's the actual degree called? What's the, you know, when you got it on the wall, you yeah, want to it's, show off the it's, fancy name. It's laughable. It's actually in a drawer, uh, that we never. Yeah, I don't visit. know where mine is. <laughs> uh, but it's a BS in religion, which is sometimes mm. accurate. Uh, so I have a Bachelor of Science in religion. Uh, once I finished that up, um, I went on to uh, to get my Master's of Divinity, which is not something that you get at Hogwarts. You actually get it oh. in, uh, um, which. I was looking forward to this being like a surprise expose yeah. on the existence of Hogwarts. It so. totally sounds like a degree that you would get at a school of witchcraft and, and wizardry, but yeah. it is not. Uh, I got so I went to seminary at Wesley Seminary, mm-hmm. and then I uh, have I just finished up. I'll I'll walk in April, um, but I have a Master's of Divinity with a specialization in church planting and multiplication. Nice. Very so, relevant yes. to what we're doing. Yeah. So uh, Liz says that I have to wait a couple of years, like five years. She says, why don't you plant a church first and then you can go on and get your doctorate. So I'm hoping that maybe in the next five years or so I can start um, a uh, a, doctor, uh, a doctorate of ministry, mm. uh, which is – it's kind of funny. I have my BS in religion. Um, I have a master's of divinity. And then the next level is a – Doctorate of, of ministry, or as it's referred to, a a demon. <laughs> and so, um, there's uh, a lot of fun uh, sort of wordplay in there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's that's my hope one day that I can go on to get my doctorate. So, in addition to obviously your role as the you know founding pastor, church planter, you know, uh, kind of, uh, let's say visionary, you know, person who, who has kind of created this idea of Harvestgate uh, or got this started, in addition to the, your role as the pastor, what other, you know, skills or, you know, like spiritual gifts or like, what are your good with things? The staff. What are the things that you're good at? Yeah, bow staff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So something to know about me, I am a, I'm great at starting things. I'm not good at maintaining them. So in Ephesians chapter four, it says that, and God gave to the church uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He gave these to the church so that they uh, might equip uh, the believers to do the, the, the work of ministry. That's a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. I have what, um, what we would refer to as an apostolic gifting. Um, the, uh, the word apostle comes from the Greek word apostello, which means sent one or, uh, you know, one who is sent. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with my apostolic gifting, what that, uh, how that plays out practically is that God has gifted me um, to find new ways of reaching new people, which I think that this model is kind of indicative right. of that. Uh, and so it's it's figuring out how we can take the mission of God, or what's also known as the missio day, and contextualize it for different people. So uh, I would say visionizing is probably one of the biggest things that I bring, but also mobilizing. 
Mm. Um, and so I, th- I think we might have mentioned this. Um, a lot of times when people plant a church or they do something like that, they're like, these are the positions that I need filled. And so I'm going to try to find people to fill those positions. One of the beauties of starting something from the ground up is um, you can kind of build the model around people and not around uh, needed positions. Yeah. And so as we have uh, formed our team, uh, it wasn't, wasn't, hey, I, I have this position that needs filled. It's what are the giftings of the people who are here and how can we mobilize them to be a part uh, or to to live how God has created them to uh, so that their gifting, so that their, uh, the way that they're wired is able to fulfill this mission. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because you can, because you're starting from the beginning, it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And so you get somebody in who's good at, you know, uh, you know, good at bow staff and ninja stars. Well, now I need a director of bow staff and ninja stars. Yeah. So you can kind of uh, build the position around those people and the things that they're good at and what they bring to the table. And I, I can see that in, you know, where everyone is on our team and who's doing what. It was kind of like, you know, like obviously Emily and I were friends with you and Liz and it was, you know, uh, we were excited to know about the project. But then as soon as it was introduced to us, it was like, oh, hey, we have, I think we have some, talent that we can bring to this project and we're excited about it like you know emily's a total financial nerd and loves numbers and money and kind of figuring all that out praise god from whom all blessings (laughs) flow right um and and i've got kind of creative technology stuff going on with you know my work experience with my schooling and it was like hey like yeah this podcast would not be happening without you right yeah Um, uh and so it was cool to sort of See, like, where it was very organic. It was, you know. Well, and, and Stephanie, she is, she is like, we, we call her the CEO, the chief encouragement officer, <laughs> uh, because she She's has. She's about hype squad. Yeah, she is. Yeah. But not only that, but she is just, she just has a magnetism about her uh, and such a love for people. Not that you guys don't have a magnetism about you and a love for people as well, but um, she has started groups from the ground up and they're, they're just exploding. And so we're like, you should probably oversee our discipleship groups and our and our alpha groups. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, I love that. It feels like it fits me so perfectly. Um, so, I mean, there's just like the people who are on the team are, are such a blessing to me because it's like I can't and I don't want to do this by myself. I need a, a team of people. Yeah. Um, and shout out to, to Stephanie on the uh, the Harvest Cake group text because she, like I said, she's the hype squad. You know, anything you drop in there, she's got the she's got the pumped up. You know, yes, get it, get All it done. Caps. Oh yeah, yeah. The little yeah. like, what are they? I don't know what I should know, but I don't know what the little reactions are called. I guess a reaction yeah, yeah, like well, a little like the, exclamation, thumbs the 3D up, touch, like, yeah, yeah. And like, she also, yeah, I think one of her common phrases is the Lord. <laughs> like anytime we we like we share a praise, the Lord, yeah. Uh, Super funny. Um, well, we'll look forward to chatting with Stephanie sometime in the future as well. We want to get everybody on to uh, to meet the team. Um, uh, real quickly, because uh, we only got a couple minutes left, just to wrap up, I want to get to a couple questions about uh, Harvestgate at large a little bit. Um, in two years down the road, 2022, 
if I'm, you know, I'm not good at math. That's Emily's thing, but I'm working on it. <laughs> um, what progress would you like to see from Harvestgate to consider it a success, maybe for lack of a better term? What would be a, a positive result? Yeah, so at the end of year one, what we would like to see is that there's 40 people in a discipleship relationship and two house churches started. Um, so it would be like next year. Yeah, that's 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 next year. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and Greg's like, that's not the question I asked. I asked about <laughs> two years from now. Was that what my face was saying? <laughs> that wasn't intentional. I promise. Uh, so yeah. we want that pattern to continue at the end of year two that there would be 80 people in discipleship relationships and four house churches. We can kind of see how multiplication is is really at the center of this. Right. That we want to be a uh, we want to be a church that multiplies disciples, who multiplies disciples, who multiply churches, who mm-hmm. multiply presence, who multiply presence. Uh, and I just said that twice. That's how much we want to multiply presence. Double uh, it. Double it. We want to multiply mission. Yeah. Um, and so we'd like to see, uh, to answer your question, 80 people in a discipleship relationship and at least four house churches. Um, and then, uh, I think we have some pretty audacious goals. Um, and one of those goals is hopefully by the end of year one, uh, with the coffee house that we would be able to purchase a truck and have a coffee truck. And, uh, by the end um, by year three, I think that we would also like to have a second location for the coffee house. Um, so just because we want to have a transforming presence in every zip code in Columbus. And, um, but here's the thing. If we don't reach that, those goals, it's okay. Uh, cause we're still going to be making disciples. We're still going to be starting churches and things like that. Yeah. Now uh, my, my real heart cry is I, I'd like to see the disciples and the churches multiplied the businesses would just be an added bonus. Right. right. And that's to that's to facilitate, of course, the the rest of the uh, house churches and people that want to run them. And uh, yeah, Absolutely. makes sense. Um, I want to close with the question that you asked me in uh, my Meet the Team episode, uh, which was, uh, what, if anything, would you like to say to someone who's listening, who's heard what Harvestgate is and is maybe on the fence about getting involved? What would you want to say to them? Give it a chance. Um, Oftentimes when we share this vision with people, they they say, yeah, I I understand what it is that you're doing. Right. Uh, But man, it is, it's just so out there. It's, It's like nothing I've ever heard before. And I believe that this is a pioneering model. That this is, I I believe that this is where the future of the church is headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church in Europe is in rough decline. I mean, um, they are they are rapidly approaching a post Christian world. Uh, no, they they are post Christian. Um, America, if we're not already there, we're a post Christian nation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to find new ways of being the church. Um, I believe that this is not the solution, but a solution. Right. Uh, it's just a, a small sliver of the pie. I, I had a, a pastor friend from India, or I uh, know from Myanmar, rather, and he was talking about his church. He says, we are but but a small pebble in 
in the building of the church. Um, and and I, I feel the same way, but I believe that this model and models like it are the future of the church. And so I'm sure that Lewis and Clark, when they were uh, trekking across America, they had some doubts and some uncertainty and mm-hmm. some fears and anxieties. Um, but I think that that's just the territory of of being a pioneer. And I I would say that my as our gifting, what the gift of this this church plant model is, is that we are pioneering new ways of doing things. And it always comes with uncertainty. So I would say give it a chance and see what God can do through a bunch of uh, novices trying to figure out <laughs> what it means to be the church in 2020. Awesome. Well said. Um, thanks again for taking the time to answer all these questions and to kind of dig into, you know, a lot of your, your own personal background. It was fun to, to chat about and learn about. Uh, and again, we'll look forward to doing more of these with the rest of our team so you guys can get to know everyone who's involved with Harvestgate and why we're also passionate about uh, what we're trying to do. So we'll look forward to more of these in the future. Been fun. Follow us on social media at Harvestgate Network. There are several ways you can engage with us and support the Harvestgate Network at harvestgate.org. You can subscribe to the Harvestgate podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you're as excited as we are about this project, please consider supporting us by sharing, joining our prayer team, or donating on our website. Thanks for listening to the Harvestgate podcast, connecting faith to families, communities, and marketplaces.